this quote that's up here. Um, but for those of you that don't know, this is when Tanner had approached me and we decided that we were going to do this study. And I was reading through an E.W. Tozer book at the time when I really felt Lord, the Lord confirmed that this is what he wanted us to do to move the Thursday night study from my house to here. And uh, I was reading, and this was a quote when the Lord laid on my heart to teach at Foundations in the Faith class. And um, this was a quote in the book, the, the <coughs> night that I felt the Lord really saying this is what we were supposed to do. So uh, it was a perfect quote, and basically that's what we're trying to do, especially the line um, where it, it says there, no truth stands by itself, but it is always in relationship with other truths of God's Word. And when you don't do that, it's like it says there, that's when heresy begins, when you don't build truth upon truth, which is what we're trying to do here in the Foundations class. And that's why uh, the order, actually, I I believe I had this put together, this order of studies. Katana goes, tell me kind of what you want to do and how you think you know, you're going to lay this out. And so I kind of laid out the order. And as we did, it, it is just truth building on truth. If you guys weren't here for the first part, which was, uh, knowing God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We had the Word of God, the inerrancy and infallibility of the Bible, the importance and necessity of God's Word in the believer's life. We had sin and salvation, which uh, some of you might have been here. And then I think you all guys, all you guys pretty much, except maybe Eric wasn't here, I don't think, when we did practical Christian living. And then we last week prayer. This week is faith. And um, this is like a pivotal part of what our Christianity needs to be. And so we're going to take a look at faith. And I titled this Faith, Fact or Feeling, and the Importance of Faith. Our whole Christianity is built on this idea of faith. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just want to thank you for tonight and for your word. Help me to make it clear. We pray that uh, as we take a look into your word at faith, real faith, and how it works in our lives, that we would understand it and that we would live it and that it would just become so abundant in us as we just trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, faith. Um, for you guys that were here last I think everybody was here last night. So last night, um, Tanner and I did not talk. He did not know this is what I was teaching tonight. If you heard his study last night, basically his study was on faith. And it was Jacob and Israel, or Jacob <coughs> slash Israel, same guy. Um, and his faith. So it's funny because if you guys were here the prior week, when Mike was teaching, Mike's study was on prayer. And I ended up teaching prayer. It's like totally, it's really cool because between Mike and Tanner and I, because the three of us are teaching Every week, basically. I teach Thursday nights. Mike Vasquez teaches at his house on Tuesday nights and then Tanner's uh, Sundays and Wednesdays. And we never talk to each other, but we'll be sitting in a study and they're teaching the same stuff I'm going to teach. And it's crazy because we'd be using the same verses. It, it's, it's wild. You know, Tanner's teaching on faith and yet he teaches out of Genesis. And here, we're, we're not even going to touch the Old Testament, though there is a lot on faith in the Old Testament we're going to focus on, on pretty much the New Testament. But just so you know, we don't sit down and decide, hey, let's teach on faith this week. Tanner didn't know until after the study last night. I walked up and I said, Tanner, look at this. This is what I'm teaching tomorrow. He just laughed. He goes, that's so cool. And it happens all the time. It's happened for, for years since I've been teaching. It used to happen all the time when I was at Calvary Pasadena teaching the youth there. I would prepare my study and I'd listen to Xavier teach. And he'd be teaching the exact same thing I was going to get ready to teach to the high school and junior high group that I was in charge of. Um, so it's really cool because it's confirmation that I know this is what God is speaking right now to the body here. And so, faith. Uh, the word in the Greek is pistis, and it means a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing, is used in the New Testament always of faith in God or Jesus or things spiritual. Okay? So... <coughs> The, the word is only used twice in the Old Testament, just the word faith. That's the only word, not faithful, faithfulness, none of that. Just the word faith itself is used twice in the Old Testament, but it is used 338 times in the Bible. So, and again, that is just the word faith. That doesn't include faithfulness. Um, it doesn't include uh, 
what was the other one I just said? Faithful, um, hope, and those are all part of, what's that, Rob? So what you're saying, I just have to ask this because you said 333 times in the whole Bible, right? 338 times. 38? Also, so that's, uh, so it's only mentioned twice in the Old, Old Testament. Testament. So 336, 336 times. 336 times in the New Testament. In the New Testament, just, right. Well, yeah, in the Old Testament, it's Deuteronomy 32.20 and Habakkuk no, 2.4. That's why I just wanted to ask that because it's because the relationship from Old to New Testament is a different relationship that we have. Why well, I, I get so that's that. that's, that's yeah just, that's why we see it so much more in the New as opposed to what we see in the Old. Because I want to learn. I mean, no, that's that's why that's we got why I asked. and that's why we set up our microphone so you guys can ask and it gets on recording because I this. Never knew that. Oh yeah, see yeah, this goes. Times, this is like, yeah, and that's only that word. Yeah. That's not well, faithfulness or faithful. It's it's used in other ways. Just that word alone. Faith is the biggest thing. To me. It's huge. It's huge. It so, 338 times in the whole Bible. Okay. So, the first thing we want to do is, is let's look at the biblical term or definition of the term faith. Okay. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, says it this way. He says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's a it's a hope in something that you haven't seen, the substance of things hoped for. So we're hoping for something, and, and the faith is the substance of that hope, and it's evidence of things not seen. So the hope itself produces the evidence. We don't see it. But that's what we're hoping for. Um, Paul in Romans, he says it another way in Romans 8, 22 through 25. Here's how Paul says it. He says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So Paul is saying we have a hope. And we don't see it because why would we continue to hope for something that we've already seen or that we've already received? You know, it's not like just a, a really, I'm going to use this example maybe later anyways, but um, like right now, I'm not hoping that this stool is going to hold me when I sit down on it. Okay, I'm already sitting on it. So I'm not hoping at this point that it's going to hold me. If I was going to hope for it, I would have done it before I sat on it, not after I've already done it. So I've already re- done that thing. And so what Paul's saying here is you're not going to hope for something that you've already received or something that you've seen. You hope for something that's off in the distance. And that's what faith is. And I've got some, some things I wrote here about faith. Um, one of the things that's out there, it's a doctrine. It's called the faith, the word faith movement. And in that doctrine, um, the purveyors of this believe that your faith creates reality. Or your words create reality. Um, and you're going to hear this all the time within the church. And good meaning, good uh, people that don't mean it in a bad way. They're caught up in the lingo of this doctrine and they say it, not realizing what they're doing. But in this doctrine, they will take the scriptures out of contract. Let me say that. Uh, they will take the scriptures out of context and try to back the heresy that they believe. Uh, they'll say like that God doesn't want anyone, mankind to be sick. So if you are sick, it's your lack of faith that creates that sickness within you. God wants everybody to always be healthy and happy and filthy rich. Um, the problem with the doctrine, the main problem with the doctrine, is that your faith is placed in your words. And we see through the Bible that our faith is to be placed in something greater than our words. The example that I want to use is always have a positive attitude. Think positive. Think good thoughts. Okay? That's not biblical. That's the word faith. That's 
Joel Osteen. That's his doctrine. And I can name many, many others that have that same doctrine. And they got huge churches and they live in big houses and they drive big cars. Okay? Because they got big TV programs. So they got a big wall. Oh, yeah, you know, Just Copeland Prince. and Hagen and Fred Price. And, um, man, there's a ton of these guys Jim out Baker. there. Uh, Jim Baker was one of them. Um, and then he turned from it, and then I heard he went back to it again. It's, it's sad. I actually like Joel. Kind of huh? kind of like Joel. But if you listen to his message, it's not biblical. It's no, just I a just, positive. I really don't you get a warm fuzzy. They were just listening to the other morning. I was like, listen to it. Yeah, if you listen, it, it gives you the warm fuzzies. But, you know, God doesn't promise warm fuzzies. That's Kenneth Copeland, I've read a lot of his books. Yeah. But the word faith movement is not biblical. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that God wants you always to be healthy or happy. And if you don't have that, then it is a lack of faith on your part. If you're sick or whatever. Okay? That's what they teach. Paul was constantly going through struggles and trials and tribulations. and Right? And Jesus... I mean, the the one that had the least amount of faith, right? Because he died on a cross. And he was cursed for doing it. There's no faith involved in that, according to their doctrine. Okay? And so, many people think faith is kind of a work, worthless practice also. Um, but everybody daily practices faith. Uh, when, when we wake up in the morning. Or when we go to sleep at night. Right? I don't care who you are. You believe in God or, or not. When you go to bed at night, I don't know anybody. Maybe there's someone out there that does this. But when they go to bed, they don't go to bed going, okay, i got to remember, I have to breathe. Man, i, I got to remember to breathe. <laughs> and they're, all night they're just, i got to breathe in, i got to breathe out, i got to breathe in, got to breathe out. They just go to sleep. By faith, they believe that they're going to keep breathing. When they lay down, by faith, they think the mattress is going to stay where it's supposed to be and it's not going to fall through the floor. Right When I sat down on this stool, like I said, I sat down. You guys all sat in the chair. I didn't see anybody coming in, kind of tapping the chair, kind of making sure it was secure. By faith, you came in and believed that we had chairs that were going to support you when you sat down. And everybody's chair has supported them. So the, the, the faith, is it's different. Obviously, this, this we do without thinking, but this faith in our daily lives is not on par with the depth of what biblical faith is or what... Biblical faith is supposed to be. Uh, just belief in God alone takes faith. And the things we see in nature point to a designer. But as we, we as believers attribute that to God, I think with a lot of evidence, and when I, we went through God, I proved a lot of that. But even still, like I say here, it is my faith that makes me say that. So faith is really key to our belief system as Christians. But when we grasp that faith and we hang on to that faith and we understand that faith, we start seeing a relationship that grows deeper and deeper and deeper and the faith that grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can rely more upon that. Then it doesn't matter what our eyes see. It doesn't matter what we feel. It's like, you know, you know what? God said this and my faith is so deep in him that it doesn't matter. I'm going to believe that. In the 80s, we used to have a thing and bumper stickers and everything. It used to say, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. <laughs> and that's the way we used to live. Yeah, I that. yeah. And it's like, you know what? That's And it's enough. The Bible says that, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. So my heart, Jeremiah 79 says, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So, okay. So if I'm a liar and I have a desperately wicked heart, I better just trust God. Because the rest of that stuff is, if it's me, I'm just going to mess it up. So, why is faith so important to Christian life? And what does the object of our faith have to do with the power of our faith? See, because if our faith is just in our words, which is the <coughs> word faith movement, my words, my feelings, all that, that's why it's, you know, faith, factor, feeling, my feelings, they change all the time. Right? If you're a girl... They change even more. What is faith without action? Faith, we'll get into all the that stuff. Yeah, no, we'll get into that. I'll try to finish my coffee before it gets too cold. Hebrews eleven six. This is key. We've looked at this before in a past study. 
But we'll look at it again where it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, without faith, you can't please God. You have to have faith. And the faith has to be in the fact that God is. And when we were going through God, we went through what that meant. Basically, what you have to believe that He is, is that He is the I Am that He told Moses. And like I say, some of you weren't here. Basically, when, when, God, when Moses was at the burning bush and God said, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to tell the people, or tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He says, well, when he tells me, or asks me, who sent me? Who do I, what do I tell him? And he said, you tell him I am, that I am sent you. What God is saying there is, I am the becoming one. I am whatever it is you need. I'm it. You need salvation. God says, I am salvation. You need love. He says, I am love. You need a father. He says, I am a father. You need a provider. He says, I am a provider. You can't put God in a box. That's what he's doing. He's like, you can't put me in a box. I am. Whatever it is you need, I'm it. Not what you want, what you need. He says, I am. And so you must believe that he is. So you just go, hey, you know what? I don't need all this other stuff that the world tells me I need. The world gives us ideas of things that we need to have and they're nothing. And we all know that. We've all experienced that nothing. But when we get what God knows we need, we're like, yeah, like Tanner was talking about last night. We, we think we need stuff and then all of a sudden we see what we really need and God's plan as it lays out. We check with God. We check with His Word. Not just what we say, but His Word. We make sure it all aligns because he will never contradict himself. And then we can go, okay, this is what God wanted. Remember last night when, when Tanner was talking, Israel, when he went to Beersheba and he offered an offering to the Lord, he was seeking God and said, and God came to him in a night vision and told him, you go, I will be with you. He was double checking because Egypt is always in the scriptures a type of the world. And he's like, wait, God, you're calling me to go into the world? Is this really you? And God said, yeah, that's me. Go. I will be with you. Remember, now when he went into the world, he went into the world but became separate. Just like, I don't want to redo Tanner's message last night, but um, when he went into Egypt, they were sent to Goshen. They were set apart from the Egyptians. So they were in the world, but they were not of the world. That's the way God always wants us. It, it used to be in the church, a friend of mine was, we were talking, it was a couple of years ago now, but in the church, we, we always drew a line. And as Christians, we stayed on our side of the line. We drew the line and we always reached across trying to bring people over to our side. Today, the line is kind of blurred and the church is over there and they're over here and we can't tell the difference between the two. Okay, we need to get that line distinct again. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what Tanner's trying to do. We're, we're trying to build disciples so that we can stand at the line and say, hey guys, what we've got is so much better than what you've got, like Tanner was talking to me again last night. We give up a lot in the world's eyes. I told you guys about that guy at the, the bachelor party I went to a number of years ago, but it was a few weeks ago I was talking about that. And he thought, I gave up so much. What do I do? He goes, you don't drink, you don't smoke. What do you do? It's like, man, my life is so much better. Not drinking, not smoking. It's That's a horrible life. Horrible. So we go to the line and we say, guys, come over. They know it's different. There's something different when you go through trials, when you go through something that you should just be freaking out on and you have peace. Say the world's like, wait a minute, you shouldn't be like that. You guys that weren't here, everybody, most everybody here knows when I was 20, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma. It was malignant. Um, it was through my whole body. At 20 years old, about two months before my wife and I were getting married, um, my lymph nodes were about that big. A lymph node swollen, supposed to be the size of a pea. They were this big through my whole body. Um, I was in City of Hope. I won't get into the whole story. Uh, my mom, my now wife, was, they were having a hard time with it. My dad died of cancer at 32. So they were like, man, they didn't know it was going to happen, but I had total peace. At the time, I was reading a book by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It was called 12 Sermons on Peace. And I just felt like God said, okay, you've been reading about peace. 
Let's see if you got it. And all of a sudden, I'm diagnosed with cancer. What are you going to do? So my mom goes to work, and the people at work are like, the people know her 20-year-old son is diagnosed with cancer. Lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, is still one of the hardest cancers to cure to this day. And I've got it at 20, so it looks like I'm dead. I got the big C, right? It's over. My mom's at work, and she's just doing her job. And they're just like, Judy, how can you keep it together? She goes, you know what? You need to do me a favor. Call my son. I got people from my mom's work that I've never met before. Colleen, your mom said I need to call and talk to you because she's so peaceful at work. Can you tell me what's going on? It was awesome. I had this opportunity to share Jesus with people because of my faith. I, I didn't care. I became a Christian so that if I died, I had a place to go. I was able to share that faith that I had with others. And it's there's a lot, of, lot behind it. I don't I want to get into all that whole thing. But God gives us the opportunity to take that faith that we have if we'll stay on our side of the line and make the difference and so they can see that difference. They saw it in my mom, which opened an opportunity for me to share. But I didn't go party with them so I could share them my story. I sat in my little apartment with my mom. Patty would be there just hanging out and I'd get a phone call. And God opened all kinds of doors, and I've been able to use that actually since then to share with other people. But we have to make that distinction. We have to be different. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. And our faith will keep us out of the world while we mingle with the world. Okay, and we got to be smart. We don't want to. I don't go to parties. I don't hang out with all the people doing coke and all that. I don't do that. I don't go to bars. I don't witness in bars. I just, I know that's not a life I want to be around, especially because of my past. I just, I don't have all the friends that I had, they're gone. They all, as soon as I said, I'm following Jesus, they all went the other way. I'm like, I don't care. You know what? I lost all those friends, so supposed friends, right? If they were real friends, they would have been behind me in what I was doing. So I, I lost all that and I gained a wife. I got four awesome kids, three awesome grandkids, a family here. I mean, the different Calvary Chapel Pasadena was our, our other family when we were down the hill. Great people, real friends. Friends that when you're in a bind, something's up, you can call them and you know they're there for you. Or they're on their knees praying for you. That's what you want. That's what real faith will do for you. That's what God wants. Believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's rewarded me incredibly because I diligently seek after Him and His will for my life, which we will cover His will uh, is that next week? No, next week I think is worship. Yep, worship. Two weeks, the will of God. We'll cover that. So how do we get this faith? Where does it come from? And this is something that a lot of people don't understand either. It's Romans 10, chapter 17. It says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, how do you get faith? You hear about it. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear God's Word, and I, I've challenged many people, and I've never heard it, but no, I've never heard anybody prove to me that somebody, I don't know, in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa or South America or anywhere in the world that can say, I have never, I never before heard anything about Jesus Christ and I just accepted Him. Okay, I've never heard anybody can say they've done that. There's always something. There's always a seed planted somewhere that maybe later in life springs up and brings life. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So someone at some point in time shares the Word of God. You hear that and then somewhere it starts, does something in you. And then you start, because I can remember at probably... 18, 19. I remember one time, I remember picking up a Bible one time. It was a living Bible. Really bad paraphrase. Um, and trying to read the book of Revelation. Because, you know, I was I was a metalhead. So, you know, Iron Maiden, right? All into that. And Eddie and, you know, the number of the beast. So, oh, what's this all about? So, I tried to read it. It meant nothing to me. It meant nothing. But when somebody started sharing the gospel with me, 
And then all of a sudden that faith starts growing in me. That, that And then the curiosity is, now wait a minute. There's a God behind all this. And so I start seeking that God. And then he reveals himself. And then somewhere in my life in 1983, October of 1983, I cannot pinpoint the date, some to, somewhere in there, I realized my life was different. It was changing and I didn't know why. But everything in my life was changing. I didn't want to smoke weed and do coke. And I didn't want to, all of a sudden that stuff started changing in me. And then I didn't realize until after I went, wow, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. Because God came in. I heard and the faith began to grow in my life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why God's word is so important. So critical to what we do. <coughs> Hebrews 4.3 Four, one through three. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, so I swear my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So just hearing the word isn't enough. Just because someone sits in a church and listens to somebody preach the gospel isn't enough. It has to be mixed with faith. I can't just hear it. I have to start believing it. I have to believe by faith that what Tanner or Mike or Kevin or whoever it is that you listen to, that what they're saying is biblical. And it, check it with the Bible. And if it is in the Bible, then you go, well, you know what? I'm going to start believing that. And then you see that grow. Because he taught, what he's talking about here in Hebrews, Hebrews is basically written to a bunch of Jews who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But then they started believing that what they needed to do was go back and do the law again, the sacrifices and all that. And that's what the writer of the Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, is addressing, is these Jews who once had a faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, and then they started mixing the old law with the new covenant and faith. And Paul's addressing it, saying you can't have them both. You can't sacrifice because the sacrifice of the Old Testament law was pointing forward to Jesus Christ. I can't get into all that because I'm just doing a foundation. We just went through Leviticus at my house. Uh, is that what we just finished? Was that, the, that was the last book we did, huh? Leviticus. We went through the law. And when you look at the tabernacle of Exodus, the law of Leviticus, and the typology of Jesus Christ and all of that, so it's amazing. It's all pointed to Jesus. Every little bit of it. The the gold, the silver, the bronze, the skins of animals that they used on the tabernacle in the wilderness, it all points to Jesus. It's amazing. Studying for it myself, I was just blown away at what I kept finding. I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> so it was pointing forward. So once Jesus came, he's saying you don't need the typology anymore. That was just pointing forward. You don't need the thing that's pointing to Jesus because you have the real thing, right? It's like you're, you're driving down the hill and you're, you're hungry and you're thinking, we're going to go get a double-double, some fries, and a large Dr. Pepper, right? And you're thinking it all the way down there. And you get down there and you get your double-double and your fries and your Dr. Pepper and it's sitting on the table and you just go, oh, man, I can't wait. Oh, fries, double-double, Dr. Pepper. Oh, I, I got a picture of one. Man, look at that. Oh, that's good. And the thing's sitting right there. But you're worried about the picture, right? You don't even focus on, wait, you don't need the picture. It's sitting in front of you. Pick it up and eat it. That's what we got. The, the whole Old Testament law, it was there to point us to the new covenant. The new covenant's here. We don't need the old anymore. It's right there. We need to partake of that. That's what we want. And it's the faith that drives us to understand that. So faith with the word combined, that's where we come in. That's where it's supposed to be. That's where God wants us to be. Because it says again in verse 2, Indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. 
the word and faith. They go together. They combine to make it happen. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is one you always got to remember. This is a great one to have memorized. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You've been saved by grace through faith. Grace, I like the acronym for grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. We're getting something we don't deserve. What's up? God's riches at Christ's expense. Getting something we do not deserve. And we sit back and how do we know that? How do we know it? It takes faith to believe what the Bible says. Really? We're going to see adoption? I'm a child of God now? Really? I have to believe that by faith. Because I don't get papers from the court telling me that. You know, when you get adopted, there's papers that come with it. Yeah, you know, so-and-so adopted you and now you're a part of their family. You get their last name and all that, okay? My wife understands that part. She was adopted. But we don't get that from God. We get something different. It's not a piece of paper that we get from Him. But we're saved by grace through faith. And remember that because a lot of people will try to point you in a different direction. Uh, what can separate us from the love of God? Right? If you guys have ever heard that scripture, what shall separate us from the love of God? Riches, uh, principalities, powers, rules of the darkness of the, of the <coughs> other age. Anyways, all that, First Corinthians 8. And they go, see, that, that right there, it's telling you, God loves you so much, you can never be separated from Him. Your salvation is secure because of God's love. Well, no, that's not true. Your salvation is secure because of God's grace. Right? Salvation comes through from grace. We are saved. By grace, we are saved. Not by love, we are saved. By grace. The love created the avenue for salvation, but it's His grace that offers it to us. And by faith, we accept that. And that's when our salvation comes. Faith is just amazing. And I remember, I've got like, what... A dozen scriptures here. There's another 336 for you guys to look up. I've only got a few of them. There's a lot here for you guys to dig into and see this. And it'll just blow you away when you start getting into it. Romans 3. 21 through 28. So, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ... To all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation or a, basically that's a payment. Like a, a, a um, kidnapped yeah, like a ransom. ransom. That's the word I was trying to think of. So it's a, a propitiation is like a ransom by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Just in those, those little ver- three times the word faith pops up. Three times. To let us know it's, it takes the faith. You have to believe it because you don't get a card. You don't get a piece of paper. You won't see God. What you'll see is the results of God. Like I said, October of 1983, I started seeing the results. All of a sudden, the things that I used to do, I was no longer doing. And I no longer desired to do. And the more I realized I don't want to do those things, the less I wanted to do them. Kind of like what Tanner was saying last night. I never want to forget where I came from. I always want to remember. I I, I say this all the time and I, I mean it with all my heart. Is God gained nothing by saving me. I did not help His kingdom at all. If anything, I hinder it. I always go, Lord, a friend of mine used to say this, Lord, I hope I'm on the way and not in the way. It's God that's doing the work. 
And I by faith believe that He's doing that work. And He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to remember what I was so that I can remember what I've been forgiven. Remember that woman that cried on Jesus' feet and wiped His feet with her hair? You know, and, and, and he asked Peter, who loves the more? He who has been forgiven much, loves much. And we all, just like Paul just said right there, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So whether you grew up in the church, which a lot of these guys right here, just grew, they grew up in the church. So they didn't do the bad things that we've done, but they do bad things. I could tell you some bad things my kids have done. I could tell you. I can tell you some bad things that these guys have done. Okay, I know these. We've all done bad things. So if we realize how much we've been forgiven, we love more. The more we realize we've been forgiven, the more we love. And the more we love, the deeper our relationship grows. And that's what we got to do. Because I used to tell my friend Tony all the time, I go, Tony, I don't get it. All these people that came to the Lord around the same time I did, and a lot of them are back in the world. The guy that the Lord used to bring me to him, my friend Matt, best man at my wedding. We were best friends since seventh grade. We did everything together. He was, we actually dealt drugs together. I mean, we did all that. And he grew up in a Christian home. But then he decided to get his life right, invited me to church. I went with him. I ended up getting saved. And I got radically saved. Matt wasn't so much. Because I think he thought, you know, I, I haven't been, really been that bad. But he was. He was bad. And I just go, Lord, why? I asked Tony. Tony just goes, you know why, Kevin? Because you realize how much you've been forgiven. <coughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that's why, but I do. I realize how much. My life is... And I tell people all the time, there's, there's bad people. right? You get, let's say what the world sees as a good person. And there's the bad people. And there's Kevin. I mean, I was like... I was extremely extremely bad I don't know how my mom even lived survived with me as her son I don't know how she did it very strong woman to be able to survive me Patty and I used to pray Lord don't give us kids like me Stephen is too much like me but nothing to the extreme that I was he's just like me and he's very hard um, very stubborn set in his ways but that's not always a bad thing because that's, a, that's the kind of person that God can use as a leader because they don't follow people. You know, I watched all my kids, all of them. That's something I taught them. You guys be leaders, not followers. And they could be in the world on baseball teams. Tim played baseball for years, so did Stephen. Becca played softball. And they didn't follow what the crowd was doing. The crowd, whoever, the, the group on the team, they could be cussing or partying or doing whatever. My kids didn't. They, they went out there and they played sports and athletics. They were really good at it and the people watched them and followed them because they were the leaders they didn't follow they led and it's really cool to see that and that's the one thing that I guess they got from me hopefully that's all they got from me but um, you don't we've got to make sure that we understand how evil and wicked we are and that our faith is in Jesus Christ he's the justifier Remember, it says at the end of verse 26, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. He will make it happen. Galatians. There's so much stuff. Like I say, you guys got 336 you got to find now. Um, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. This is really cool. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's the adoption. Your faith makes you his son. We did nothing. Jesus died on the cross and we get part of the inheritance. This is cool. Could you imagine? I'm not going to get into it. I'm guessing uh, whoever's teaching on Easter, I think Michael and Tanner and whoever else is teaching, one of them is going to get into what it was really like to be crucified. Horrible, horrible death. 
There's a lot of articles out there you can read about how toad. They didn't. It wasn't through the hand. They say because your hand wouldn't hold your body weight. The piercing was probably right through here, on your wrist. You have a nerve running through here. So when they nailed you through there, that nerve was hit. You ever hit a nerve? I drilled my finger once. That's the only time I've, we were talking about this. Yeah, that's the only time I actually felt so much pain, I almost passed out. I mean, it was going everything. Was, it was going black, and I was going out. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. And there's nerves to the top of your foot. They put your feet together like this, and they pound the nail through your foot. So the pain was here. The way you relieved the pain was to push up on your feet. So when you pushed up on your feet, the pain shot to your feet. Relieved your hands or your wrists, but the pain was in your feet. And eventually you'd have to let go and you would hang and the pain would go back to your wrist. And remember, and his back was wide open because when they whipped him. So he's, he's rubbing up and down the cross trying to relieve that pain. Incredible, excruciating pain that he was going through for us. And we get, oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a horrible thing. But we get a part of that. We became children because of what he did. Incredible. Through faith. How about Romans 5, 1 through 5? Got to move it along here. We're not going to get through what I did. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Now remember, the easy way to think about justified, break it down. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, there's a, a band called Ten Shekel Shirt. And uh, we've got, I've got it on my, wherever my, on my iPods over there. I'm not going to play it now. But, but um, one of the things that talks about in Ten Shekel Shirt song, uh oh I used to be at war with you it says in the song I used to be at war with you but now I'm fighting on your side it's nice to be at peace with you that's the song and I just go ah. Ten Shekel Shirt awesome awesome lyrics I, I'm into lyrical content of bands so I, I want man the lyrics need to say something to me and that when you think about that I was at war with God and that most of us were. We were at war. It's like, I wanted nothing to do with God. I was living all about, I was all about Kevin. Everything was about me. It's, unfortunately, still most of it is. Getting better. But long ways to go. But to be on his side now, fighting with him instead of against him. Oh, how awesome. How awesome it is. So, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Uh, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That's tough. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Again, hope, right? What's faith? It's hope, right? Faith, hope, love. Right? It says that, that faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God. Hope doesn't disappoint because of His love. That's why by faith we have to just believe. Our love, it's wishy-washy. The world, they don't even know what love is. To them, love is something completely different than what God's is. But His love, it doesn't disappoint. After 33 years of walking with the Lord, I can tell you, it does not disappoint. First Peter. This one. Uh, wish you guys could be at the junior high camp. Because I'm going to do a study on Peter that's... God, not because I'm doing it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great just because of what God has shown me about Him. Amazing. I've taught this book before and it's an incredible book. 1 Peter 1, 3-9 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what it's about. We're kept through faith. Our faith, it says in the scripture that it is from faith to faith. Okay? All that's saying is it never changes. You start in faith, you end in faith. There's nothing that happens between those. You don't, I've got faith and then you move on to something different. And it's something else that keeps you. It's from faith to faith. It's all there is. Just faith. Matthew 17, and this is like the third time we've looked at this scripture. I was telling Tanner last night, it's really cool that God keeps giving me this scripture because this scripture, we looked at it last week, shows you the depth of God's word. We looked at it, I believe the first time we looked at it was when we were looking at, let me see, what was it that we looked at it the first time? I think we looked at it through, when we were looking at the word of God, we looked at it last, or no, it was through practical Christian living. Then we looked at it through prayer. And now we can look at the same scripture through faith. Matthew seventeen fourteen. We talked about how Jesus, um, when he came down from the sermon, from the sermon, from the transfiguration, when he came down from the transfiguration, there was a demon possessed boy. The disciples are trying to cast a demon out and they can't do it. So the, the guy comes to Jesus and says, Hey, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic. epileptic. He suffers severely. He often falls into the fire, often into the water. So he brought, I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Okay? That's lack of faith. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, tiniest seed of all the seeds, if you have faith like that, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And that doesn't... Tanner covered that. I'm not going to cover it. If you want to see it, he's got a CD back there. You can get Tanner talked about that. I'm not going to get into it. Move, tell the mountain to move from here to there. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, we covered the prayer and fasting last week. But notice he says that they were a faithless and perverse generation. He said, oh, you of little faith. If you even had a mustard seed grain of faith, you could have done this. So faith also gives us power. Prayer and fasting we covered last week. You put faith in there, you're moving mountains. You're casting out demons. There's nothing you can fear. Nothing you need to fear. If you've ever been around a demon-possessed person, it's pretty crazy. Um, I've been around a couple. Um, one of them I got to meet on Hollywood Boulevard. That guy was interesting. Um, but I don't fear him. I, told, I, I shared a story a while ago about a guy that used to live right next door to me in my apartment. Demon-possessed. He told me he was. I know how he got possessed. He offered me the power he had. I told him, dude, you don't have any power. See, the power you got is nothing. I go, you want to prove, you want to prove who has the best power? I said, take any, any spell, any incantation, anything you want. Do it, do it to me. I said, cast your demons on me. I said, cause if you know anything about what you're serving, those demons will attack you. Satanism, if you know of Satanism, one of the things they tell the people is you never 
try to cast spells or demons onto born-again believing Christians. Because the demons now are fighting against God's people, God's angels. And so they get thrashed by God's angels and they go back and thrash that person that sent them. We don't understand the spiritual realm, but that's what the Satanists teach. Themselves they teach that. Great power that we have. So we have nothing to fear. Our faith gives us power. Jesus said it right there. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you could have cast this demon out of this boy. Prayer, fasting, and faith, there's no stopping that. That's what we're, we're hoping for here in this church. Next Sunday, come this coming Sunday, 5 o'clock, prayer meeting, Sunday evening, we're having prayer meeting here. It's going to be an awesome thing. I'm not expecting a lot on one hand, but I didn't expect much when we did our Christmas handout where we went out and passed out flyers to, to houses. I, I thought there was going to be me and the boys, my boys, and you know Michael and Tanner and maybe a couple others. I, I, I truly expected no more than 10 people to be here. And we had 50 people show up to do this, to pass out these flyers in the neighborhoods around here. It was awesome. We had a great time. It was a little hesitant for, I know, these the guys that were with me. It was really hard for them at first because they'd never done anything like this, right? Um, I won't tell you who they are, Michael, Jeremiah, Tim, and Mark. Um, they had never done anything like that, right? So I knew right away who's going to have to step up first. And it, was, it wasn't because I'm so strong and it's so spiritual. It was scary for me too, but I've done stuff like that before. So I thought the only way these guys are going to get comfortable with it is if they see me do it first. So I did it first. Tim jumped on the next house. Michael was on the next house. Jeremiah was on the next house. And pretty soon it was just like nobody. And Mark, wasn't, Mark doesn't talk much anyways. But um, he kept going up to the houses with everybody. So he was okay with that. Mark's just not a talker. But once I did it, these guys were just like, they were no problem. They were going house to house, talk to whoever's there. It was crazy. But to see that response from the church. So on one hand, I'm not expecting much Sunday night. And on the other hand, I'm like, I bet God's going to do some crazy stuff, man. I've already seen some. He's got something planned. And it, it should be good. should be a good time. So if you can be here, great. Faith brings power. Matthew 9, 22. How much time we got, Chris? We still okay? We still okay on time? Okay. I just want to make sure. Richard always give me the one hour, wrap it up. So, um, Matthew 9, 22. There was a woman who had a daughter who died. Let's start with 18. It says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped and saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from the very hour. Faith heals. It was her faith in Jesus. She goes, All I have to do is touch the hem of his robe. There was nothing special about Jesus' robe. It was a piece of material. Okay. There's nothing special about this book. It's a book. It's paper with ink on it, okay? Without God's Holy Spirit, it's just a book. It's His Holy Spirit that makes this book special. And it comes alive because of His Spirit in me. All of a sudden, I can read it and it means something, okay? Jesus' robe was just a robe. It was her faith just going, man, if I can just touch Jesus. I know He has the power and He can heal me. And Jesus said, it was your faith that made you well. Now, where does she get that faith? We can get it, we'll get into that. The faith isn't something that we possess. It's something that God gives us. It's crazy. It's the free will, God's provision. It's all it kind of, I don't understand all that. Okay. We want to get into James now and take a look at what James has to say. <laughs> James got some pretty crazy stuff to say about faith. James 2, 14 through 26. He says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith? but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, 
but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Uh, how far did I want to go? 26. Okay. Uh, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There it is again, Whitney. <laughs> Whitney's doing a devotion for the junior high. So anyways, um, so what James is saying here, okay, faith without works. You don't work to gain faith or to gain salvation. It's a natural byproduct of your salvation and your faith. If I have true faith, I naturally want to do things for other people. The works are a natural byproduct. I always think of like a dog. Okay, a dog barks, right? Everybody knows dogs bark. Is it the bark that makes it a dog? The, the bark, it barks because it is a dog. Not it's not what makes it a dog. Okay? Orange juice. It's the same thing. An orange naturally produces the juice. The juice doesn't make it an orange. That's the natural byproduct of what it is. We as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we have faith, and the natural byproduct of our faith is going to be shown through the works that we do. And they should be good works. Works that glorify our Father in heaven. It's a natural byproduct. Okay? I don't sit up here and teach because I love to have people stare at me all the time. Okay? If I had it my way, I would not be up here right now. Believe me. I do not like being in front of people. I never have. I hopefully never will. I do it because I know God called me to do it. So, our works are a natural byproduct of our faith. So, James is saying, you say, I have works, but not faith. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. You can't show me your faith without works. It's just the natural thing that happens. You get saved. You want to tell people, right? I I remember first time I shared Jesus Christ with somebody. I got saved. I realized, like I said, it was just all of a sudden my life was different. I was at a Shell gas station on the corner of Alasta and Glendora Avenue in Glendora putting gas in my 67 Mustang. A guy named Dave Hoagie that I'd known since 5th or 6th grade pulls up to get gas at the gas station. Hadn't seen Dave, I don't know when the last time I saw him, I guess high school probably, a couple years earlier. Hey Kevin, what's up? I just go, Dave, I'm born again, man. I'm following Jesus Christ. That's kind of out of nowhere, but right? He's just thinking, oh, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> it was just natural for me to say that. I wanted him to know. I fell in love with a man who died for me. And I want to share that. I always, always, always tell, I, being an electrical contractor, I'm in a lot of people's houses, a lot of women and stuff like that. Um, nothing weird has ever happened. But I always make sure one of the first things they know Because I've been married for like 33 years and I've got four kids and I love my wife and it's been the greatest thing and here's how we met and I tell them the whole thing. Because I want them to see I love my wife and I want everybody to know about her because I love her. I love my God and I want everybody to know about Him because I love Him. The things He's done for me, amazing. The things my wife has put up for 32 years, amazing. She's still around. 
It's just the byproduct. When it's in our lives, it's just natural for us to want to share that. James 1, 5 through 8. We looked at this last time where it talks about asking for wisdom. Verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It takes faith. When you ask in faith, oh, there it is. I just got to wrap it up. You ask in faith, you're asking knowing that it's His will. So you will receive. I can't in faith go, God, I really think you want me to have a bigger house, a bigger bank account, a larger car, a nicer car, or whatever. Because I don't know that He wants that for me. I don't think I need it. I just go, Lord, I know what you want. And in those things that I know you have desired for me, I can ask in faith and receive those things. This one, what James is talking about there in one, is talking about wisdom. Faith is also in Ephesians 6.16. We're not going to look at it. It's a protective device, right? The armor of God, the shield of faith that is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Right? As he comes to you and says, you're not saved. Dude, you know what? I know what you just did. I saw you do the same thing yesterday and the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that. And you go, no, I'm sorry. Yes, I am flawed. Yes, I sin. I don't do a great job, but I know I'm saved. God's working on me. I'm in process. I'm not there yet. Again, on the way, hopefully not in the way. The shield of faith, Ephesians 6.16. James 2, 1 through 5. We're not going to get into that. He says, don't hold your faith with partiality. Respecting somebody above somebody else. I treat Tanner better than I treat Rob. Ain't going to happen. I don't want that. I've seen that faith. I've seen the people with that. Certain people can do things and get away with it because of who they are. Other people in church can't get away with it because they're not that other person. Okay? Not supposed to be like that. We're all the same. I'm no better than you guys. Just because I'm up here with a Bible in front of me teaching you, that's not because I'm better. It's because this is what God's called me to do. But I don't go feed the homeless like Mary. I think she's going to have a better place than I am because she feeds the homeless, right? It's crazy. I do what I can. I do what I'm called to do. We're all called to something different. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We just do what God calls us to do. And we're all going to get there. And none of us is better than anybody else. And when a brother falls, we lift him up and we pray for him. And I got to hurry up. He's going. Chris is going to start throwing things at me. <laughs> this last one is going to be right here in Romans fourteen, and then we'll end. Twenty-three. Fourteen, twenty-three. We'll start with twenty-two. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Specifically in this context, food. Generally, everything you do. Do it in faith, knowing that God approves of what you're doing. If you can't say, yes, I know God approves of this thing I'm doing, you can't do it in faith, he says it's sin. Easy way to tell. Should I do this or should I not do this? I don't think God wants me to go to what they call gentlemen's clubs. Right? There's no gentleman in those clubs. You can't go there in faith and say, no, this is what God wants. No, it's sin. Because you know God has... There's no faith in going there. You're doing it in the flesh. God is up against it. It's a perversion. And it's sin. Okay, it's an easy way to tell. Is it good or bad? Is it sin or no? Well, what does God think? Can you in faith say, yeah, if Jesus is walking with me right now, which he is with us wherever we go, but if he was physically with me, would he go into that place with me? Now, I don't think he would. Then stay out. You can't in faith go do that thing and say that God would approve. Okay, and that's just a bump. There's, like I said, so much about faith and you can see how important it is in our lives. Continue to seek it out. Grow deeper and deeper. I didn't even cover in Corinthians... There's a gift of faith, which is even deeper than just the faith we covered. And I know at least one person in this room right now today that has that gift. It needs to be exercised. If you have that gift, exercise your gift, right? Who knows what God can do with that? 
That's that's the kind of stuff where Peter was walking and he sees the guy at the temple and he says, oh, silver and gold have we none, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. That's the gift of faith right there. I couldn't do that because I would know oh, I'm going to lift this guy up he's going to fall on his face and everybody's going to be mad at me because I just put this guy in his face. But see, faith doesn't say that. Faith says, no, God wants to heal this guy and up he comes. i got stories I can tell, but I can't because i got to get done. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Just continue to teach us. Help us to grow in our faith deeper and deeper each day. And I, I want to pray for Rob and his cold. I want to pray for the two Richards that aren't here. We know Richard, the, the one that helps do the recording. We, he's sick, so touch him. Um, we pray for the Smith family, the ones that are sitting here, for the kids, Lord, that you would just continue to keep them healthy. There's a horrible sickness going around, so we just pray that you would just touch and heal the people so that they can be here, a part of your body, and that we're not spreading these germs back and forth. Just do it crazy work in our lives and help us to see you more and more each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.